Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast this morning is sponsored in memory of Mickey Carey, Alava Shalom, Lilui Nishmat Meir Ben Latifa, Alava Shalom, sponsored by Ephraim Seton. Breakfast is also sponsored in loving memory of Raymonde and David Sofer, Alema Shalom, Lilui Nishmatam, David Ben Naim, Alava Shalom, and Simcha Bat Hana, Alava Shalom, sponsored by their son, Edward Sofer. And as well, breakfast is sponsored. David Slager in honor, Slager in honor, Slager, he's correcting me, he doesn't even know what he's talking about, in honor of his wife, Lara, Lara or Lara? Lara, in England it's Lara, isn't it? You know, Lara, uh, happy birthday, Lara. Um, in breakfast, in loving, uh, not happy, but yeah, in loving memory of Ruth Jerome, sponsored by his son, Joey Jerome. I learned in England the hard way, that Lara and Lara and Sarah and Sarah are not at all the same name. <laughs> the amount of hate mail that you get. Shema Yisrael. Okay. He has a Sarah also. Okay. All right. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. It's funny because the H at the end, which is a silent thing, can cause so many problems. Okay. Let's let's get uh, let's get cracking. So there's a uh, there's a very interesting <coughs> uh, thought that I uh, that I saw that was brought down over here. It's um. You know, many times if the pasuk, if it sets up a situation where it's obvious where the pasuk is going, it's not necessarily uh, pertinent or important to describe something that everybody can understand is happening. What do I mean? Let's, uh, let's dive in. <clears throat> the pasuk tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu gathered everybody together in order to build this project, build this uh, thing, this uh, community thing of, uh, of the Beit HaMikdash. And as we described earlier in the week, that something like this, a place where God could rest in the world, wasn't possible to create without everybody coming together and building it. If it was the project of the few, it doesn't work. It has to be the project of everybody. So Moshe Rabbeinu gets everybody together. And then it says, and he gives them this speech that he gives them about Shabbat, he tells them about the Mishkan. And then what happens, says the Pasuk, and all the Jewish people, and the entire people, they all leave. Now, that seems to be a little bit superfluous because if they were all there, and then you tell me, Vayetzeu, and then they went out. So I understand that who is it that went out? Everybody that was there. So what is this Vayetzeu kol adat? And all of the people left. Why is that important, uh, Diuk, for us to be able to focus on? And I saw a beautiful idea set over in the name of Rabbi Eliezer Lopian, who was the, uh, the son of Rev Eliyahu Lopian, and he says something fascinating. He says, and Haron and I were just talking about this, in the Shabbat class that I give, so it's an hour before Mincha, I finished the class, but a lot of times you have people who have questions, so by the time I make it, the 10 feet from the, from the bima to the door, it takes me 10 minutes. By the time I make it from the door to the stairs, the bottom of the stairs, it takes me another eight minutes. And I get upstairs, and I, keep, I think I forgot that the tefillah starts, what the tefillah starts like on Mincha, on Shabbat. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, more recently, Mincha seems to be starting with Kriyat Torah, taking the Sefer out. <laughs> so, you know, you have lots of times you say, you give a Devar Torah, and people have lots of questions. And I have to say, normally, <clears throat> questions are a wonderful thing. Because it helps us understand, it helps us uh, 
clarify, helps us quantify what is it that we mean with this. You know, uh, how do we understand it? How do we know that a person is supposed to have emunah in a case like that? In fact, Judaism enc- encourages <clears throat> questions. Even the text of Jewish thought, of Jewish halachic thought, which is the Talmud, is all given over. It's called Havayot, the questions of Abaye and Rava. The questions and answers of Abaye and Rava, the, the, the process, the conversation that clarifies, that brings out to light the true intention of the Torah, uh, through the medium of Torah Shebaal Peh, the or of the written Torah through the medium of the, of the oral Torah. However, says Rabbi Eliezer Lopian, sometimes questions that get asked are not motivated in that way. We spoke last week about the idea when you talk about the Halakha of Shabbat, and someone says, is that the rabbi, is that the halakha, or is that the spirit of Shabbat? Not realizing, like we said on Shabbat, that the spirit of Shabbat is actually a halakha. Things that are not supposed to be done on Shabbat, called ma'aseh Shabbat, uvda dechol, these are concepts which basically state that something that's not supposed to be done on Shabbat, it's not the spirit of Shabbat, is halakhically forbidden from being done on the day. So you have time, sometimes people, when they're asking questions, they're not really asking questions. And I want to share with you a very powerful, uh, a very powerful story. The Briskarov once had a student that unfortunately fell off uh, the uh, Jewish bandwagon. He was a very wise, very smart kid. But at the time, the prevailing winds sometime with many of the educated kids was to get involved in philosophy to a point where they did not know well, they did not have a chance to really understand that Jewish philosophy is as, as robust as any other, usually a thousand times more. Except so if you've been approaching the law and Judaism from one angle and one aspect, and then you have no knowledge of its wisdom in that, in that regard, and then you have to compare it to something else that you heard, so you might think that Judaism doesn't have what to add to that conversation. So this kid, he thought, you know what, all these people, they're all based on faith alone. They have nothing, no reasoning, no logic to back up their theology. And he decided, he decided he's going to walk away. A while later, this boy, now looking not like a yeshiva boy at all, many years later, he comes to the rabbi, and the rabbi can see that there's something weighing on his heart. And he comes to his rabbi, he says, Rabbi, you know, when I walked away from our traditions, from Judaism, he says, I walked away, he says, because I had so many questions. I married this girl, she wasn't Jewish. I had so many questions, so I left. And the rabbi smiled at his student and he said very softly, he says, let me ask you, did the questions you have on Judaism come before you met this girl, before you wanted to leave, before you were working on Shabbat, before you were eating uh, the cheese McMuffin? He didn't say that. The guy says, no, he says they came after. So then the rabbi said to his student, then those weren't questions, those were answers. You weren't actually asking questions. You were trying to answer up a lifestyle that you were already doing but feeling guilty about and hiding behind a question. Taking a question and allowing the question to paralyze you as opposed to being able to live with the question, to seek an actual answer instead of cutting yourself off and using the question as a tool for cynicism. Rabotai, I want to share with you something very powerful. Traditional wisdom of the uh, giving of the, of the money to the, uh, the Beit HaMikdash talks 
a, a lot about the idea that everybody came and everybody gave. And it's true. We know that seems to be what the Pesukim say. But I saw today or yesterday a diuk, a uh, kind of a little, somebody notices one little line in the Pesuk and, and he asks and presents perhaps an alternate perspective. And he says that when everybody, it says that they left, it says everybody left. But then it says, and they came, the ones that were very generous. Why is it that the ones that left, left this way, everybody, and the ones that came seems to be only the generous, not everybody came back to give. And I saw brought down the most, the sharpest idea. And I have to tell you, it actually brought a few tears to my eyes. I can't find now who said it because uh, I just wanted to share who says it because it's a, it's a novel idea and something that I'd, I'd never seen before. But I don't know if I could find it in my, uh, in my notes here before, uh, before I share with you. So you can come to me afterwards and I'll share with you who, who it is. The idea is, he says as follows. This is powerful. He says, how is it that when it talks about giving about the Mishkan, it says all the generous people came. But when it talks about giving for the Egel, it says, and all the people took off their jewelry. All the people took off their jewelry for the Egel, but they didn't take off their jewelry, they didn't give their things for the Mishkan. Good many did. Good lots did. Good the women came. But it says all when it came to the Egel. It doesn't say all when it came to here. How can it be? And furthermore, how can it be that everyone gave to the Egel? Not everyone sinned with the Egel. How can it be? And the answer is so powerful. He says, you think when they knocked on their door for the Egel, they said, we're collecting money for Abu Dazara. We want to make a giant uh, idol. <laughs> Look, here's the letters from all the rabbis in Israel. <laughs> it says that I'm not, I'm not a sketch, I'm real. It says that the Abu Dazara is Abu Dazara according to all the shitot. We've managed to fulfill every single opinion. This is the Abu Dazara al-Mahadrin. Please give us... They didn't say that. What'd they say? They said, Ele Elohecha Yisrael. This is your God, O Israel, that took you out of Egypt. They didn't tell them what they meant by that. So what did everybody see? They saw they're collecting money for God. They gave money. What happened? As so often happens, you give your money sometimes to a charity. And you know what? You think you're going to be helping this poor guy. Meanwhile, instead of helping the poor guy, what did you do? You paid the salary of a very well-paid administrator. Shema Yisrael. They're telling you, homeless people, starving people. And where'd your money go? To the $500,000 that the administrator is taking as his salary. Because, uh, you know, he's a, good, he's a good administrator. Now, I'm not saying that that's not necessarily a smart move. You get a brilliant businessman and he could bring in for the charity $50 million. But you get a bad administrator, you pay him the eighty grand. You, you know, you, you also can't raise the money for charity. I'm not saying it's the right practice, it's the wrong practice. I'm just saying that sometimes people feel that they were duped. Am Yisrael had once heard already, we're collecting for Hashem. We want to make a Kiddush Hashem. And they all gave. And what did it turn out to be? It turned out to be the Egel. Now someone else knocked on their door. And what happened? What did they say? Oh, we're collecting to make a project for Hashem. You know what the people said? How do I know it's going to be the real deal? Maybe this is another Egel. You see, says uh, Rebbe Eliezer, he says, All the people left. He says, it never happens that you add a Shi'ur and everybody leaves. After the Shi'ur, people have questions. 
Sometimes if you're giving a class on Maaser, invariably, I'll get the guy raise his hand and say, Rabbi, can I count my children's tuition for Maaser? Rabbi, uh, you know, my father-in-law, he's living with us. Can I count that for Maaser? I said, I don't know if that deducts from your Maaser, but it definitely deducts from your Gehenam. Either way, Rabbi, you have to understand. You have to understand over here what we're talking about. We're talking about this concept that people are prone when they're let down by something to let the cynicism build inside them. Oh, this guy was a fake. I'm never giving tzedakah to anybody again. Because one time I gave it, turned out it wasn't real. Yeah? One time I did this, I tried to come to the class, and the rabbi, he didn't take my question, he made fun of me. Khalas, I'm out. I went to the synagogue, and as I went to sit down, someone said, get out of my seat. There were empty seats. He could have been nicer. And we'll blame the reason on a previous experience. So, they all went out. Nobody asked questions on Moshe trying to heck it like this, like this. Oh, do I have to give? I gave last time, you know, etc., etc. I have uh, eight tax deductions, etc. They, they just, they left without questions to try and go and fulfill this uh, with, what's it called? With, uh, uh, with an open heart. Rabotai, I hope and I pray, and my bakasha, uh, my tefillah for today, is that we give life, people, community, religion, a second chance. And if you gave it a second chance and it let you down again, I beg, I pray, I hope that you're able to give it another second chance. Don't call it a third chance and a fourth chance because then you get sick of it. Just call it another second chance. It sounds way better, okay? May Hashem bless us to be able to feel that way about our wives and our children. You know what? You know what? They got me angry. I'll just, I'll give it another, I'll give it another chance. Another chance. Not a third, not a fourth. Another second chance. And I'll give my children another second chance. And Be'ezrat Hashem, we do not allow, like we say in the stock market, we do not dictate to ourselves that past performance is indicative of future results. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen